part two, and today we're going to talk about leaders. Uh, I promised you last week that we would um, cover three things in this series that describe why some people are hard to move. It is my argument that everybody's not easy. Uh, some people are very, very difficult to move in the right direction. Some are easy to move in the wrong direction. The question is, are you hard to move? Is it hard to reach you? Uh, once you come to a conclusion, once you develop an opinion, how hard is it to move you from that opinion? And I want you to understand that there are some things that God can't do for you because you're hard to move. And, and there are some things that he will never be able to change, even though he may want to change them desperately because he, like you do with your children, right? You see things in your kids and you want to desperately change them. But it's hard because of the way they think because of the way they view the world. And so the question is, in your life, what's hard to move? And now, one of the, th the things that's really tragic is when a leader is hard to move. Now, you want a leader, as my wife so poetically said to me yesterday, to be hard to move in the wrong direction. You want a leader to be strong in the Lord and stable. We get that. But I, I want to argue today that I think there are three things that can make you hard to move in general, and there are specific things that can make a leader hard to move. Now, in the series, I'm, I talked last week about distractions and how that can be a real difficulty in your life. Because you're distracted by lust, because you're distracted by all kinds of temptations, you'll end up being hard to move. And if you go back and look at our Bible studies I've done on Wednesday nights, which are really cool, um, they, they highlight uh, this whole issue. Uh, there are two hard-to-move digital Bible studies I've done for the last two Wednesday nights that are really nice that talk about hard-to-move sexually. And when a person's stuck in a sexual habit, in a lifestyle, it's hard for God to move you from that because you've been there for so long. And I have a, a really frank, about 25-minute talk with you about that. It's really powerful. I hope you go back and listen to it. But I also believe that it's not only distractions, it's, off, it's oftentimes the, the challenge of a leader that makes it hard for you to move because you're following somebody that's hard to move. So if a parent is hard to move, they will probably produce children that are hard to move. If a pastor is stubborn and hard to move, he's probably going to have a church full of people that are hard to move. And so if you're not careful, you could be following somebody that's difficult, and that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 23. In Matthew 23 and in Acts chapter 10, the two texts we're going to study today, Matthew 23, Jesus spends uh, 36 verses talking about this. 36 verses Matthew outlines this whole thing. Now, I'm not going to read 36 verses to you because I love you. And I'm just going to summarize it for you in about three sentences. And I think that when I summarize this for you, you're going to see that leadership has a tremendous impact on your life. And if they're hard to move, they affect everything. They say, so the leader goes, so goes the people. And that's so true. Now, let me summarize for you, if I can, the three things that are the several things, rather, in three sentences or so that, um, that describe Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 through 36. And this is Jesus who looks at the leaders and he says, you guys are hard to move. And here's what he says about them. First of all, he says in verse 1 through 3 of Matthew 23, he says they were inconsistent. Say that with me, please. Come on. Inconsistent. inconsistent leaders are very difficult to move because they're a moving target. They're not consistently saying anything specific. They're always moving. Number two, he said they were insensitive. They did not really 
feel and care. They were insensitive. Thirdly, they were celebrity focused. Can you say it, please? Come on. Celebrity focused, which means basically that these people were focused more on being acknowledged than anything. It's all about being acknowledged. It's all about being known. That was their focus. It's all about being celebrity focused. Can you say it again? They wanted to be acknowledged and, and highlighted in, in the marketplace. They wanted to be, um, be spoken to. They wanted some kind of um, acknowledgement. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple, and that's really important for you to always know who I am. And that became, their, their, and religious people can easily fall into that, especially leaders. Thirdly, I'm sorry, next thing he said was they were roadblocks. I love this. Roadblocks to the young seeking God. I don't love it, but that's what he said. There were roadblocks to the young seeking God in verse 13. In other words, young people who wanted to know God, they would get in the way of those trying to find God. He said, you go make proselytes all over the world. You travel the sea to win one disciple. And when they meet you, you make them worse than when they, before they met you. Your roadblocks. You are abusive to the weak, he said in verse 14. And it's specifically in that verse talking about widows. He says, you, you go to widows' houses and you take advantage of them. Then he goes on and says, they were masters of religious verbal judo, I call it. Which means they knew how to use the right religious language. They used a lot of big fancy words to chop down people and use their religious power and knowledge to insult people. They used what I call religious verbal judo. And then lastly, he said, they were just downright hard to turn. And summarizing them, they were just people you just could not reason with. Now, I believe that when you are a religious person, this can become, especially when you're a religious leader, this can become a very big problem for you. You can easily slide into this culture. And that, my friend, produces some bad results long term. So you end up with people who think like you and who live like you, and you create a mass of very difficult hard, religious-minded people. Now, I want to say this, and I'm going to jump in and jump off of it. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the religious environment sometimes today. I'm concerned about the mix between religion and politics in some ways. I'm really concerned. I'm concerned because of Europe's history. I'm concerned that sometimes in our lives we are, we are we're blinded and insensitive and don't know it, and we, we feel we know God, so we feel we have a corner on it. We have a corner on knowledge, a corner on God, a corner on religion, a corner on what God would say and do, and no one can change our mind. No one. Because you go to church, because you're a Bible person. Right now in your life, with the people you're leading, your family, the people around you say, it's impossible to reach you. It's absolutely impossible. You know, being a pastor is really fascinating because, um, especially being a, a, a well-known pastor where, where a lot of people know you and you have kids, there's this, there can be this, I don't know, this thing that says, you kids better be good because of who I am. And, and, and your kids grow up with this weight of burden that they've got to be perfect. And, and you make them go to church all the time and you... You make them, uh, you won't let them go to the dance and, uh, you know, even if they're going to do holy dancing. I mean, you just, there's no, you know, you, you, just, you know what I'm saying? They're not, not going to do anything bad. I mean, some of you are against dancing. Maybe, you, should, I don't know. Anyway, you know, um, I understand that. I did because I, I was kind of like that for a minute, but it helps me stay in shape. Um, and 
I, I, I understand how we think, but I don't think we understand it, how when you lead that way, how it impacts people. So my children would have been denied anything normal. They had to go to church all the time. And I, I was determined not to lead that way. I was determined that I was not going to use God as a way to entrap them and to, to deny them joy in life because I, I don't believe that God thinks that way. I, I think in our, with our fear of everything, we run from everything. I'm not saying for you to go to the nightclub and go dancing tomorrow night. I'm simply saying there is a danger when you can't even ask me about it. There's a danger when I'm so hard to move, you can't even say it. My kids used to come to me, and they would ask fair questions. And I, and I should not be so hard and so religious and so, so saved that I can't even talk to you about it. You have a girl who's asking, you know, I want to play sports, but I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't wear anything but a dress. And so forget it. You just can't do it. There's no conversation. There's no dialogue. There's, there, there's, a, there's a sense of isolation that's really, really dangerous. And these religious people were like that. They were clear. They heard God. There's no questions. Everything is what I say. And what I've learned is I am not God. I am not God. I, I can be wrong. I, I can be insensitive. I can be a, a safe, sincere person. That's very, very difficult to deal with. When I, when I see leaders hold church services that are so long, and people are saying, could you just please let us out? <laughs> and then they question your sincerity and your devotion to God because you want to go home. But that's where you live. You don't live here. Would you tell your neighbors, I don't live here. Come on, I don't live here. I don't live here. I want to go home. I only visited. I came for like an hour or two. You know what I mean? But, but somehow if you're a leader, that's hard to move. It's, it's hard to get you to even talk about it. So it, it, you see it everywhere. You see it. And Jesus looked at these leaders in Matthew 23, and he saw it. He says, guys, you're insensitive. Guys, you, you're, you're inconsistent. You say one thing here, and you say another thing there. You're... you're, you're you're more focused on celebrity and church services and gatherings and conferences, but there's not really a focus on us. And, and sometimes you just, you're married to a guy who just won't move. He's leading the family and you want to raise your hands. Like, can you just, can you move a little bit? Can you just consider moving just a little bit, sister girl? Just a little bit, a little less cussing. Just five less cuss words in a, in a day. Just five. You use 15, just five, just five. I mean, you, you just, you, you sit there and you say, why can't we get this moving? It's because you become hard to move. And so I want to show you a couple of guys when I'm done. Cornelius and a guy named Peter. Peter, you know Cornelius, you may not. Acts chapter 10 is where I want to go, and I want to show you how Cornelius was a guy that was what I consider easy to move. And what's really important is he's a leader. 
If you're a leader, and a lot of you in here lead somewhere. You lead at home. You lead, you lead on the job. If, you have a, if you're a parent, you're a leader. I want you to look at this leader, Cornelius, and listen to what the Bible says about him. There was a certain, a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the, to, to the people and prayed to God always. I want you to notice a couple things about him. One is he feared God, right? He's devout. He fears God. And he gives generously to the people. And he prayed always to God. He prayed to God always. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 10. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, verse 4. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers. Read this with me, please. Come on. Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before who? God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And so he so when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. One, I want you to notice what made this guy easy to move. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to notice how fast he moved. This is a guy who's an early responder. He's an early adapter. He responds fast. He's not slow. He hears the angel, and he responds right away. Not, not hard to move at all. You're going to find in a minute Peter was harder to move. Peter had to be convinced. Eventually, Peter responds, but Peter struggles. Cornelius was steady, and Cornelius, follow this now, was a Gentile. He was not a guy who was not a church guy. He was not a guy who grew up around all that. He was a, just a secular Roman soldier guy over soldiers. But this is a guy who the Bible described five things about him that made him special. Number one, he was devout, which means he was sincere and deeply committed. This was not somebody you had to force to be committed. He was committed. I want you to think about that. What makes you easy to move is the level of your devotion. Personal. Without Pastor Rick, without the church, without anybody telling you, it's just you. Personal devotion. I really come to see that. Secondly, he feared God. He was a God-fearing person. He took God seriously. He reverenced God. That's the word fear means. He had, he, had, he had a reverential respect for God. Thirdly, he gave. I thought that was interesting. He was a giver. That, there was something about his giving spirit. This is the guy in the neighborhood, if you had trouble, he'd, he'd help your family. This is the guy who had testimonies. You know, people talk about, hey, you know, Cornelius, if you, you're a little short on your rent money, talk to Cornelius. He might, and you've got some food problems. Ah, Cornelius, he helped our family. This, that's who he was. This Roman soldier this guy who was over a band of soldiers, he was a man of authority. He was known to be generous, and that was what impressed God about him. And then the Bible said he prayed. Those two things specifically brought him up before God. This was, this was a guy that was talking to God, and because he was, this is important now, that's what made him sensitive. God could reach him. God could speak to this guy. And so that's how 
he gets called. That's how he gets called. Now, think about this for a second. I've learned it's easy to move people who are sincere, deeply committed, God-fearing, giving, praying people that can hear God. It's easy to move those kind of people. It's easy, to, it's easy to get them to readjust themselves. Leaders who are prayerful. I am so amazed at how many times leaders are so busy, they don't have time to pray, they don't have time to do anything. One guy who was um, visiting from another country, he asked uh, some pastors he was staying with as a guest. He said, he said, and he was just running around with them. You know how pastors are, <laughs> leaders are running around doing everything. And he says, when do you guys ever stop and kind of like pray? <laughs> because you're visiting this person, you're talking to this person, you're doing this. You, you, if a person lives in the house with you and you're the leader of the house, you're the man of the house, but you never pray. Your kids could never remember seeing you, you know, sit in your special chair or reading a devotional or no, there's nothing about your habits. That's why I just did this series called Spiritual Disciplines. You got to go back and listen to it online too. Spiritual Disciplines because it's true. There's something about having a commitment that I'm going to be a praying person. I'm a big praying person. I'm a big, I'm not saying that to brag or anything, but I'm, I really believe that if people work here and they say, I've worked in this church for so many years, but I've never known him to come in this sanctuary and pray. I've never, I've never known him. I've never known him. I've never seen him study. I, he just kind of, you know, gets up there and says something on Sunday. There, there's something about this guy's life, though, that made him so different. And what that led to was a higher level of sensitivity. And so when the angel spoke to him, he connected. And then what's really powerful is he doesn't wait till the next day. He responds right away. He sends his guys to go find this guy named Peter. And here's what he tells him. I want you to go find Peter. Because what I want to show you is not here. It's over there, and you got to meet somebody new. You got to go meet somebody new. You got to meet somebody different. Some of you, you're, you will never ever in your life move until somebody comes into your life who challenges you to move. Somebody comes in your life and says something to you. Hey, listen, this is not acceptable. This is not the way. And he said, he says to Cornelius, "You need Peter. Who is your Peter?" Who's the person you need in your life that challenges you, that speaks to you, that doesn't tolerate you, that won't put up with you, that will push you a little bit? And this guy comes into Peter's life, and, you're gonna, and he does an amazing thing. He shows Peter something, too, because on the other side of this conversation, there's Peter. And Peter is hard to move. Peter is in a place of thought in, in life, and I want you to look at number two in your notes. A sincere leader named Peter who was, who was convinced to move. But it took a process. Peter was the kind of guy that was going to move, but Peter was stuck in a way of thought and a way of thinking and attitude that robbed him of moving easily. It took a process. Peter was deeply committed, but Peter couldn't see how in the world God could use him to touch Gentiles. Now, what's amazing in this environment, you're going to see, watch this now, a very committed man struggle with race and ethnicity. So you can be a really sincere, godly person who's blind in this area of your life. And what's really powerful is in Acts chapter 10, there's this first part of it where it talks about Cornelius and how quickly he moved. And then it goes down, and when you get to verse 14, God is having this conversation with Peter. Now, I'm going to take the story, and I'm going to go through the story with Peter, and I'm going to pause, okay? So when I pause, don't get nervous, and I'm going to pick it up on the other side. 
So I'll let you know when I get there. But I want you to notice, when you get down to verse 14, Peter has had a vision. God, God was trying to prepare Peter to go and talk to Cornelius. But he had to move Peter from his thinking and his way of life. Now, Peter's a leader. So he's trying to get this leader to talk to this leader. This leader's a Jew. This leader's a Gentile. And so God says, Cornelius, your answer is with this Jewish guy. Jewish guy, your answer is with this Gentile guy. And sometimes that's how God works. Ricky Temple, I want to use you. I want to call you to ministry. But I need to pick you up. A guy who grew up in South Central L.A., who grew up around almost all black people, and I want to put you with all white people. I want, I want to dump you in this environment, and I want to baptize you and teach you how to speak good Caucasian. <laughs> I want to teach you this, because you, <laughs> you don't know how to do that yet. And there's something about that experience. I want to put you in a school that's predominantly white. I want to put you in a place. And there's a friend of mine who's so powerful, he said to me, he said, um, his name is Roy Hicks Jr. Y'all look him up. He's a good friend. He passed several years ago. Roy Hicks Jr. died in a plane crash. Roy Hicks Jr. was a pastor in Oregon, had a big church, great guy, wonderful guy, and just uh, adventurous, had his own plane. He was rushing back from a ministry event, had to get, wanted to get home and see his kids, and he, and he hit, a, hit a mountain. Just, it was horrible. Horrible. But Roy Hicks Jr. Interviewed me, interviewed me one day It was some convention we were at. And he said, Temple, come over here. I want to interview you. I want to interview you. And so I, I came in, and he said, I want to ask you a question about race. He said, how in the world do you, get a, do you, do you minister cross-culturally? I said, first of all, you love people. That's where it all starts. If I don't like you, it's hard to help you. And so God wanted me to have an experience where I had friends who didn't look like me. And then he took me overseas. I want you to have friends who don't even talk like you. I want, I want you to meet people who process totally different, who eat different foods, who have different values, who joke about things you wouldn't joke about, things that offend you, they do, but that's them and this is you. And in the middle of that kind of experience, God was trying to move me like he was trying to move Peter to another place. But a lot of things stood in the way of that. And so God gives Peter this dream. He always has a way of reaching you. And in this dream, there was a bunch of, there's a sheet that came down. And on this sheet, there were a bunch of animals, pigs and stuff that was not Jewish food. You know, they're very kosher. And so Peter said, I don't eat that in the dream. And so this happens three times. And what's amazing is, verse 14, Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean when he saw this these animals, that was his response. These things are common and unclean. Can you say that, please? Come on. Common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him the second time. Watch God move him now. What God has, read this with me, please. Come on. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done how many times? Three times. And then the object was taken up into heaven again. And here's what, what the Message Bible says about this verse. The voice came a second time saying, if God says it's okay, it's okay. So here's a guy we're going to learn who was sincerely trying. I'm about to pause for a minute. So just pause for just a minute. He's sincerely trying, but he's really struggling. God wants to move him to a place where he can touch Gentiles. Because remember, Jesus told him, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But Peter's stuck. 
He didn't value people the way God wanted him to. So he has this dream, but he, and I'm, I'm kind of fast-forwarding. I told you to pause the story. I'm going to fast-forward a little bit. You will discover if you study Peter's life, this was a common problem for him. He kept having trouble moving cross-culturally. It was difficult for him. There's a story in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, where Paul says Peter was a hypocrite. When the Jews were around, he would eat with the uh, Jews. When the Gentiles were around and the Jews were not around, he'd eat with the Gentiles. But when the Jews were around, he would never eat with the Gentiles. And so Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13 says, Paul confronted him and said, hey, you're being a hypocrite. Hey, you're, you're, you're acting as if you don't like these Gentile people when the Jews are around. There's a guy named James who was the head of the, of the, of the, of the Jerusalem church. And so when James came around, he would ignore all of the, all of the Gentiles. And he said, you're, you're being a hypocrite and you're getting Barnabas to go along with you. You're causing other people to fall. And there's this moment when you see Paul saying, you've got an issue. And it's hard to move you past this point. Here's a question for you. Are there people you just can't reach? Because you see them as common and unclean. Are there people that you just look at and you have this view of them? You may not say it. It's profound that I'm teaching this today, isn't it? But in your actions, there's something that says, I really don't like you. You're really not like me. You know, I kind of view that, by the way, as self-worship. You kind of worship yourself and your people who look like you and you think that everybody that God made should have looked like you and anybody else is a mistake. And that somehow if God really were focused, he would have made everybody look and act and think like me. That's wrong. And, and that, Peter, Peter, was, Peter was kind of on that border and he kind of had this strong view. And then so he's kind of waking up out of this dream, unpause the story for a minute. And he's coming down. He's, the sheet's falling. God said to him, don't call anything I make common or unclean. And then all of a sudden, now Peter, in chapter 10, verse 28, opens his front door, and there are Gentiles standing at his front door. Cornelius sent to his house. And Peter's comments, the first comment he says is so profound, chapter 10, verse 28. He says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go to one of another nation. You understand I can't hang with you because you're not like me. We don't do this. We don't cross this ethnic boundary. I never use the word ethnic, by the way. Remember, the word covers national, cultural origins, people that don't come from where you come from, people that don't do what you do, they don't like what you like. And so Peter says, we Jews don't fellowship with you Gentiles. But see, understand, Peter knew he was sensitive. He knew God was trying to move him. Because listen to what he says. But God has shown me. Can you say that out loud? Come on. I want you to say it one more time. Come on. I want you to pause and think about this. Peter had a conviction, but God showed him something. You may have a conviction. You may feel a way, but are you willing to let God show you something? But God showed me that I should not call, big statement, starts with my words. I should not call any man common 
are what? Unclean. Therefore, I am without objection. As soon as I was sent, for I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter says, I'm going. And he goes and they get saved and the whole house of Cornelius comes to God. It's a great thing. Read it on your own in Acts chapter 10. But here's what I want you to notice. There were four things that made this tough for Peter. Number one, he had never done this before. And oftentimes when God's trying to move you to something, it's something you've never done before. Especially leaders. You know, the church of Jesus Christ right now is going through a great change. You know why? Because there's a thousand people watching from home. There will be 4,000 that will go online and watch the sermon after it's done. I want them all to come in the building, but they can't all fit. I have to understand the world is shifting and changing. I have to embrace the fact, and, I, and just because it's never been done before doesn't mean it's not right to move. Just because you haven't done look, look it. Look at Amazon. The business world's learning. We've never seen so many malls closing. Because, watch this, how many of you buy stuff on Amazon? Raise your hand. Lord have mercy. That's why they're closing right there. Bam. <laughs> Wait a minute. Put your hands up again. How many of you buy stuff from Amazon? Put your hand up high, high. That's almost a whole church. It's amazing. This is an Amazon church. What is this? That's almost every hand's up. Wow. I dare you buy stuff from Amazon. You need to get in your car, <laughs> fight through the traffic, park your car, walk around for an hour to find what you want. I dare you go to your computer, type in Amazon and what you want and hit send for free. I dare you do that. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? You're trying to close down the malls? All of you. And then you say, oh, it's cheaper too, Pastor. Our definitions are changing. And what's really, here's what I'll say. Sometimes people are smarter than we are. You know, Amazon loses money when they buy stuff and you buy stuff from them. Did you know that? They spend $3 billion, they're about $3.5 billion, therefore, on shipping you stuff, stuff you order from them. They spend almost $7 billion on, on another, they spend another almost $4 billion on sending it to you. You might say, well, what kind of sense does that make? Because they're taking over the markets. They're breaking even, but they're taking over the markets, and their stock's going up, and they're making their money off their stock. They're making, but they're, they're about break even. They're not, a, they're not really a big profit company. It's a whole different business model, and it's running people crazy. It's, it's running people crazy. It's the same thing Google did to the, to the whole market for, uh, for publishing. They start giving out all this free information, and who would buy the book because you can get it for free. So publishers are having, then Amazon, it's amazing, they're, they're, they're stepping over the publisher because you can get your own stuff self-published and you make bigger profits talking directly to Amazon. So they're pushing some of the people out of the way. It's amazing. The world's changing. And so you have to find new ways. But if you're hard to move, you're going to lose. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Come on, give God a big hand. If you're, if you're hard to move, you're going to lose. You have, to, you have to back up for a moment and say, maybe the way we do church has to change. Maybe the way I'm doing family has to change. Maybe the way that I'm leading has to change. 
And if I don't change, then I lose. And I think what happens is that we create children that are hard to move. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But notice, he'd never done this before. He did not know that God had claimed, cleansed, and accepted the Gentiles. Peter didn't know that. He, did, he had an ethnic bias that made it hard for him to move. And he was, but, but a spiritual encounter, and this is important as I close, it was because he was praying. If I can get you to develop spiritual disciplines of prayer, if I can motivate you to become a, a sensitive person who listens and who moves and who says, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all my way. There may be another model here. You're in business, but it's hard to move you to another place. It's hard to move. God wants to bless you. God wants to lift your life. God wants to change everything in your life. But you have become so hard to move. And here's what happens. Your children are following in your footsteps. Next week, I'm going to talk about children that are hard to move. And I want to talk about how they became hard to move. I'll give you a hint. You might have been a hard to move child, became a hard to move parent, and now you got harder to move children. There's something about you being so focused, if you're not careful, on what you think is right that you can't hear that maybe there's another way. And maybe there's another tradition. Father, I pray today that those who've heard this message would say, God, where do I need to move? And what do I need to listen to? What do I need to change? What am I ignoring? People are changing. The world is changing. Am I still playing disco music <laughs> in the age of rock and roll? Am I still riding a horse and buggy in the days of planes? Am I unwilling to change? your relationship dying because you won't move it's the only reason the person's begging you to consider change moving just don't cuss at me like that if you could just help me around the house if you could just bring your money in if you could just 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 help if you could just be present if you would just help Your boss is saying, if you could just, just not, not turn out every meeting you're in, if you could just not, not make every meeting a conflict, and a big conflict session, if you could just, but you're not moving. It's who you are. Every day is a fight. Every day is an argument. Father, help us today. Not be hard to move. I pray in Jesus' name, God, as we leave this service today, that people's hearts would be open. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing the message, I hear you, and I know I need to start a life with Jesus. I know what you said today has been true for years in my life. I saw myself in a lot of the sermon. I'm like Peter. I have to be convinced, and sometimes it's hard to convince me. 
I'm not like Cornelius. I'm not fast. I take my time. I, I know there are things five years ago that God showed me about my habits, about my eating habits, about my resting habits, about my workout habits, about my, I can name it. I can name it for you, Pastor. And I know I've not surrendered my life to God. I've not listened. I, I need to move. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm in a relationship that's destructive. I have, I have been told before. But today I hear you. And I want you to pray for me, Pastor. If you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I, want, I, I, heard, I, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray, pray for me. Anybody? Pray for me. That's, that's me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. I see you. Some of you are raising your heart as well. I, I pray for those who left their hearts and their hands. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, this would be the day that they would say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. I believe you make the difference in my life, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. I give you all the praise, and I give you all the glory and all the honor. Save them. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them, a new start in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.